Hey everyone and welcome to the House Conspiracy Podcast, a show about the house and on the house. I'm Jonathan O'Brien and I'm the founding creative director at House Conspiracy. Uh, today I'm talking to Caitlin Rogers. We spend the first half of this podcast doing a, a weird sort of improv thing and then around about the halfway mark uh, we slowly shift into talking about Caitlin's work. So this podcast is a mess but it's the good kind of mess. Uh, in fact I'd say it's the funniest podcast we've ever done. Um, now, I'm not going to explain Caitlin's studio in a segment like I usually do before the podcast because, well, this podcast sort of already moves through a few phases and based on how it sounds, you can probably guess the kind of state Caitlin's studio was in. The important thing is this. Caitlin loves Australia and that's how this podcast was framed. Now, here's some regular housekeeping. Uh, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and you can visit us on houseconspiracy.org to learn more about our artists and how we can support you and your creative practice. Um, and our applications for our residencies are open at the moment. So you can head to houseconspiracy.org um, slash residencies and you can apply there. Um, then you might end up on this podcast uh, like Caitlin has. Now, oh, one last thing. Uh, you probably heard that amazing new music at the start of the show. Um, that's by friend of the house, Isha Ramdas, and it's lovely. Thanks, Isha. And now, on to the show. Getting it? Yes, yes, yes. 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 This is going to yes. be a character portrait. I this, think so. This, My name's this, this Denise. Thing. My name's Stephen. Hello, Steve. It's <laughs> been a long time, hasn't it? It's been a very long time. I haven't seen time. you since the rebound volleyball final, two thousand and two. Right, right. Yes. Well, we pa- well, I got caught in the net. Oh, that's right. How are your fingers? Not there. Good. <laughs> They're still in the net. They're still there. Thank they God. keep them as a warning for children. Oh, thank God. Mm. Someone has to. They're just absolute hacks. Mm. Children. Yeah. Yeah. Children, yeah. And the people at the netball field. No just, no insurance cover. Absolutely No not. insurance cover, oh, you just know. Just disgraceful. They wouldn't even give me my money back for, for my time. Yeah. What? They, yeah. No. Yeah, I Stop still it. had to pay. I still had to pay my tournament fee. Oh. The whole thing. They did want to do the, the renos, though. Yeah, so. but twenty three fifty, mate. Good God. Okay. That's disgraceful. You know? I will have firm words with Ma- Margaret. Well, well, I don't know if she's really got much power on the committee anymore. Oh, because of the... Yeah. 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 May she rest in peace. Look, it was rough. It was. I mean, It was I, a big final. I, it was a grand final. I didn't care. <laughs> but, but other people, it was rough. I know. I know. Rough, she rough. was, you know, she... Well, let, today let's really think about Margaret. Let's do today's for Margaret. Today is for Margaret. Uh, good, good evening, and uh, welcome to the House Conspiracy Podcast. We are here today. That's right. We are here today. We are here. Oh, and they're they're off. <laughs> they're off. They're off. Oh my God! The producer is turning some knobs around the bend. He's put in his grant application. Oh my God! The producer has got both hands on, on the knobs. The, on, on the, the knobs. knobs. But on are the knobs. they touching at once? Are yeah. they touching at once? As I, you know, yes. regulation, federation rules. One hand, Asterisk one at the knob. Bottom. Mm-hmm. At you all times. It looked like for a second there he'd mm. split his hand into like a Spock hand yes. and he'd been touching two, two, two knobs, two, knobs, two one hands. hand. 
Mm. I had that on three T-shirts. Two knobs, two hands. Yes, it's my life motto. That's a good life motto. Thank That's you. one that translates across uh, gender, agenda, um, generations, generations. It's uh, culture. This is when they say intergenerational trauma. I was this not, is what they're talking about. A, a true story. I was not let into Thailand. Really? I was wearing the shirt. And they said no. No. That's shocking. Not even Phuket. Oh, uh, look. I, I, it, honestly, I thought Phuket was in Perth. Um, so I got my dates mixed up. I got, you know, I did get on the... I was trying to get to, to Phuket, ended up in Perth. Wait, so did, did they... They didn't let you into Thailand because you didn't go to Thailand. Exactly. They didn't actually... So, in fact, they didn't let me into Western Australia. That makes sense, though. It does, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And now, a musical interlude. That's all I have. And isn't that just the sweetest piece of knowledge? If anything, if anything gets like awkward or if we do need so, something to lift our game lift you know game. what's coming okay. Look, if, don't if, worry when the scene you know collapses or <laughs> well, we need a nice transition mm-hmm. or interlude as mm-hmm. you said so mm-hmm. beautifully uh, we know we, we know, know what's coming we know where to turn we know where to go we know who Fake to trust what's fakes I mean that's what Sherlock Holmes was yeah but also I don't know what that song is. <laughs> it's called Bank Street. Yeah, why? Um, look, I've only ventured 20 seconds into the song because that's the only time the saxophone plays. Um, that's all I'm interested in, really. Mm-hmm. Right, of course. Um, well, you're, you're a single instrument kind of girl. Usually it's just your voice. That's right. But sometimes you've got to give the people more. Mm-hmm. You've got to keep them guessing. Mm-hmm. Is, um, you know, my manifesto as an artist, I suppose. Um, but Baker Street, I guess, is more a metaphor. Yeah, I think for the culture that we live in, you know, we're mm-hmm. we're we're driven by greed. Yeah, we're driven by, right. and that's seen as gluttonous. Mm-hmm. What do the gluttonous people eat? Bread. Pastry. Pastries, of course, of course. Where do you French get breads? Damn straight. Where do you get it? Bakery. And not to mention, yes. you know, the the inherent late capitalist idea of mm-hmm. naming a street after a profession. As if yes. that's the only essence a street Hello, could have. patriarchy strikes again. Oh, my God. It's like... Jesus Christ, he would be upset. He would. He would. That's there why were no you... Baker Streets in Bethlehem. No, there was only I also have that on a God. T-shirt. <laughs> there, there were no bakers in Bethlehem. They hadn't invented <laughs> They had yet. carpenters, though. Well, they hadn't gone to Australia and, and discovered damper. <gasps> Sorry, you said Australia. I thought you said the greatest place on earth. Or, 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 good, good, are you a thesaurus? Because that was a hell of a synonym. <laughs> That's, Tyler's going to have fun editing this one. Best day of my life. You're welcome, Australia. Australia, Australia, you've, you, you've, you asked. And, and you're now receiving the greatest, what would we call this? I don't know, homage? Homage to our nation. Mm, a mm. love. Mm-hmm. An absolute dreamboat of uh, blowjobs to the acapella mm. at the mm. top of Queensland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Paulini. 
Polini. Is that Italian Pauline Hansen? I would love to see the Italian version <laughs> of Pauline Hansen. She she has to exist. Did I tell I told you the time that I went to Do you think she makes pizzas but like she's like real strict about like no olives? Probs. White bread only. Yeah. Um full crust. Full crust. Um I went to Pompeii once. Mm. Um, and I was walking, I was there by myself, obviously, uh, exploring, taking in the scenery. And um, I saw these two ladies, like, walking about 100 metres. And one of them definitely looked like the, just Pauline Hanson, I guess. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Pauline. Anyway, she comes walking towards me. And it um, wasn't her. It was just a, an Australian lady, though. And as she, I was in Pompeii, and as she walked past, she was like, oh, it looks just like Mackay. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's true. Like everyone I've in I've never been to Mackay enough. <clears throat> well, I don't know if you knew this, but everyone in Mackay is in the fetal position, oh, covered in a thin layer ash. of dirt. Yeah. Yes. Mm, that mm. makes sense. Yes. Good for them. Yeah. Well, you know, someone's got a benefit from the mining boom. Oh, that's true. And it wasn't them. <laughs> <laughs> the tourism is really suffering there. Yes. Yes. They wish they had a volcano. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good on Mackay. McCoy. That's one of the things that I do love about Australia is our beautiful ability to put the letter O. Mm, just places. Just places. Australia. Australia, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. Please, yeah. Yes, please. Mm-hmm. Um, just anything. It's really. almost like we just want to say oi to as many people as often as possible. <laughs> and throughout the years, it's just become more and more subliminal. Mm. But the, it's there. The poetry or twosim is there. Well, Absolutely. The, the interesting thing is that this trend comes out of uh, World War Two. Of course it does. Mm-hmm. When mm. the Australians were fighting um, up just above yes. in Papua New Guinea. Yes. Um, not, ta- not Townsville? Well, no. Townsville... It, it, it got bombed it, in the war. It did get bombed mm. in the war. Tragedy. Tragedy. It was. Yeah. Justifies every unilateral action Australia has taken against any other country since then. Damn straight. Also explains the Cowboys. How? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> well, you see, when Townsville got bombed in the war, you know, they, they didn't know where to turn. But to Western soldiers, also known as cowboys. Cowboys, cowboys, cowboys. right, mm. right. And Jonathan Thurston, mm-hmm. it is known that he had He's, a short amount of radiation in his body. That's right. He's 84 years old. Yeah, and yeah. looking, looking good. Oh, my God. Mm. I think he goes to pure indulgence. Yeah? Mm. It's I all think, about maintenance for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's a common... I've seen him in a Lush catalogue. Oh, really? Yeah, with like a bath bomb, all yeah, cowboy-themed, yeah, yeah. cowboy collar. Oh, nice. Yeah. So if it... What, uh, what bath bomb does he use? Blueberry and pineapple? Uh, no, he uses Victory. Oh. Mm, yeah. Mm. Mm. It's it's kind of a chicken and the egg situation. No one knows did the bath bomb victory come first or, or did does Jonathan, Jonathan Thurston's victory come first? Come first it's a you cyclical know. thing. He's like a phoenix. He's a bit like a phoenix. He, yeah, he goes in the bath. Constantly rising from the ashes, mm-hmm. which is, of course, a bath bomb. Yeah. Oh, great. Go JT on the boys. Queensland <laughs> won the game last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Origin, game three. And, and the podcast is dated forever. <laughs> <laughs> in victory. Dated with victory. Mm. Um, 
I didn't even get to finish my, my I bit. I know, I know. <laughs> and that's fine, because I don't think the punchline was particularly good. No, go. But I think it was essentially something like, well, Australian... Mm-hmm. We had our own version of Morse code. Oh, did we? Yeah, and when, when soldiers went down... They they would uh they'd Morse code back and they right. go oi 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 oi, and that of course means SOS. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's the Australian version. See, not a very good joke. Not worth re- reviving. I love it. Yeah, it was all right. Do you think there are wait any Australians on the Titanic? I think there that if there were, they were slaves. <laughs> Dogs. They were on the dog deck. They were they were dogs. Yeah, <laughs> they they were they were chefs, but not the chefs that you see. <laughs> they weren't even in the movie. No, we didn't even make the movie. Ah, uh-uh. well, yeah. I mean, oh, fuck. Go, Baz Luhrmann. Yes, does Titanic. Oh, <laughs> Nicole Kidman plays a British slave girl. From the Kai. <laughs> <laughs> well, who was who? Let's cast it. All right. Because he. Le- All right. Okay. Baz Luhrmann does touch. Is he recreating the the Jack and Rose story? Is it a new story? I think I think it's you know the core. When I think about Titanic historically, mm-hmm. I think about the historical record of Jack and Rose. Rose, of course. And I think of the door. And the construction mm. of the door and the story of the door. So I feel mm-hmm. like Baz Luhrmann's remake is the story of the door, uh-huh. voiced by Nicole Kidman. Right, so Nicole Kidman plays the door. Yes, but mm. it's only, like, we as an audience only hear her, her subconscious, right? Yeah, so right. So when people are using her, she's like, mm-hmm. ow, ow, stop using me. The- and then the people don't know because they can't hear the door. And then when Kate is lying on her like the fat slob she was and not sharing. Nicole's there suffering just as much as Jack. And the true tragedy there uh, is... Yeah. The true tragedy is that she was spending the whole movie trying to lose weight. Damn So straight. she would have been able to float better. Oh. She would have been able to support both of them. But you know, those Aussie chefs... They chicken palmies. Chicken palmies. Every night. And that's her weakness. No wonder the ship sank so quick. Yeah, everyone was just doshed up on palmy. Oh, to be fair though, that'd be a great way to go. I Look, would love to sink to the bottom of the ocean with a belly full of palmy. Honestly, if um, if if the Titanic were going down, mm-hmm. where would you be? I'd walk be... me through your. All right, walk all right. me through. Firstly, which mm-hmm. class are you in? Be honest. Look. Uh, Are you a rich dog? I'm probably like a similar class to Jack. Are you an I artist? Think. I, I think or I... Or are I, you Proprizio? I can see the Statue of Liberty already. I don't know Very what small, it looks like. Um, Proprizio? Uh, the Statue of Liberty. Oh. I've never... I don't think it... It's not... It's, it's not, not important. Well, it's not Australian enough. Uh-huh, I, I know, I know, Uluru, Sydney Opera House, mm-hmm. um, and various Yatla important driving. bridges. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, if yeah. you're Jack, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be. You know that um, Irish um, guy that pops in for a total of twenty-seven seconds. Yeah. At the beginning, on the dog deck, mm. um, he's like, "Oh, you'd have better luck finding angels fly up your arse, something, something, something." Yeah. I you'd think be I'm him. him. Okay. Um, okay, so you're Jack. Mm-hmm. You find out that the old mate's going down yeah. and it's going downtown. Mm. What do you do? Like, are you one of the dogs that every man for himself? Are you, do you like just go to the bar? Um, 
are you in the band? You know, the band that just plays there. Look, mate, I think you're in the band. Yeah. Um, Why do you say that? <clears throat> or just maybe you've got something I- in you or on you or around you. That means one thing. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe your saxophone. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're playing yeah. on the roof yeah. of the ship, you know, yeah. outside of the class you belong to, but yeah. you're up there and you play it. Baker Street on loop. Well, you're playing Baker Street on loop, just 20 seconds, the, bit, the manners, as yeah. we established. 100%. Captain doesn't hear the iceberg over the sound of your saxophone. Oh, no. I caused it. It was my fault. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mama? I'm so sorry, Mama. <laughs> yeah. But it, advantageously, when it goes down, oh, you're yeah. up top. 100%. You, you are you're I, because at the top I of the dominance hierarchy. To put this in my saxophone mm-hmm. storage, it acts as a floaty. <laughs> How? <laughs> I don't know science. <laughs> I studied theatre, all right? But in my brain, <coughs> I feel like the saxophone acts as kind of like a, like a, a boogie board. All right. You know, and I can just like, so I don't sink. Like I go down with the ship, but mm. kind of like the door situation. Yeah, all right. Yeah, you know? so the saxophone is like a door to artistic expression mm. for you, mm-hmm. but not, not, for, not safety. Like you still die. Uh, Do you? You said, you said it wouldn't save you. Or is it going to save you? I'd like to hope it would. But then again, you know, what's the better story? Mm. Death. It's the one where you die. <laughs> Always. <laughs> look, look I, you know, do, do it the Aussie way. Mm-hmm. Pick the easier option. <laughs> uh. The Aussies were at the bottom of the Titanic by choice. <laughs> Get it over with, mate. Just do it, yeah. Just do it. I feel like all the Aussies went to the bar and they went down, but they went down screaming. Like yeah, oh, having a hoot. Yeah. Having a hoot. Not screaming in pain. But then maybe, you know, because it's that thing of when um, I'm really actually thinking about it now. But, you know, when you have rum or just any alcohol, it warms you up. Mm. And having that alcohol in your body actually ends up saving them. Wow. So there's just a group of boys, you know, (laughs) the the (coughs) Dazzer and the mates. But they're cracking open warm ones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they somehow miraculously uh, make it. Yeah, well, that also would be because that's a fucking underdog story, which is a fucking Oz. See, mm-hmm. also story and mateship because they all yeah. join arms. They yeah. float oh, by sharing the yes. weight, you know, sharing the load. Like, like Stezza, you know, Stezza's got more pounds on him than any of the other. But boys. they're not letting Stezza go down without well, a fight. He's such a laugh. He's so. You just good. love him. You're like, he's he's like, so dumb. He's three hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's three hundred and fifty pounds of potentially very like buoyant. That's right, and, he, and that's true. Mm. And he's always designated driver. Oh, always. So that's why we keep him. Where does he get his weight from, if not beer? Um, I'd say. Well, maybe he still drinks, but his heart still drives. <laughs> <laughs> And it's because he's so fat, it doesn't, like, absorb. Right, Everyone right. else is munted, but uh, Stezza just is able to keep going. Yeah, Stezza's keeping up. He goes to the valley, he gets one of those straws, <laughs> blows, and it's like, it just says, he's you're the, fine, mate. Yeah, he's top. 
<laughs> Everyone needs a Stezza. Everyone needs a Stezza. In their and, lives. You know, that's that's really, you know, that's like, I, I'm not one to sort of, you know, throw insults at great art. Mm. But that would be my critique of Titanic is like. There was no Stezza. You know, there you know, like, I know people on real-life dates mm. hate the wheels. Mm. It's annoying. Do they? Sometimes, yeah. i got to apologise to a few people. <laughs> hey, you got to send some... Uh, i got to send a couple of messages. Send some uh, apologetic emails. <laughs> um, and, but, you know, like, focusing just on the two and not having a third wheel, mm. having a Stezza. Mm. You know, I think it let down Titanic at the box office. I think so. And I think that can be said for all great art. You know, you need that third person Mm -hmm. to make things great. I mean, look at the great trios. Look at Charmed. Mm -hmm. Where would we be without Piper? Right. Nowhere. They would not have got to six seasons without it. Well, you've got to think about it. You've got salt, pepper, cumin. I thought it was turmeric. My mistake. Well, I mean... Is it? Nah, I don't even know what turmeric is. <laughs> I'm just not sure. Either. I'm a vegan and I don't know what turmeric is. I think that's okay. You just you you, you don't you. No one's forcing you to eat turmeric as a vegan. You're is just it not curry allowed to. powder? Tyler, do you know what turmeric is? All right, Tyler. What is it? It's a root vegetable. It's a vegetable. It's a root. It's a turmeric root. It's a root. It's a root. Apparently it's a root that gets pounded too. <laughs> Damn straight. Was that the cue? Yeah, that was the cue. This is what I was saying to you before about how you need a QLab file because otherwise <laughs> your cues are going to be really stressful. <laughs> they are already going to be stressful. I already know that. Mm, God. Mm. Mm. Oh, yes. So listen, you, you love Australia. I do. You love it. You're going to Edinburgh to represent Australia. We democratically elected you. Thank you. And I'm very proud to weigh the flag. Only female comedian going. From so Australia. I'm, from Australia, yeah. So yeah, I'm wow. so stoked to wear my Queensland jersey every day. I'm glad that we... <laughs> Loud and proud. We sort of spent the first half of this podcast really uh, uh, making we, the case for you. <laughs> Look, we hit the hard topics. We had to. Somebody's got to. People aren't talking about this. Right. And the most powerful thing in the world is, is discussion. Talking. 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 Openly, honestly mm-hmm. about the things that matter. Proper words from mm. your mouth. Damn straight. Mm-hmm. Boy, mm-hmm. boy. That's why they say don't talk out of your ass. Because it's terrible advice. Did the person say that out of their ass? That's, that's, that's the mystery. Uh-huh. Who's saying it? Who's they? <laughs> you know, these are the questions we need these to discuss. These are the big questions. I bet there's someone out there named they. People have crazy names. People these, have weird names. They do. Do you have a bit about weird names for your stand-up? No, but I've seen a lot of good... Mm. Um, uh, another female comedian do a really good bit about names. And she, always, and she just riffs off the audience. So, yeah, yeah she's really good. She's British. Um... Did you meet her when you were studying over in... Uh... Oh, that's right. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm tying this to become... We're transitioning. Nailing the brief. Um, <laughs> yes, um, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but um, 
I actually lived in <clears throat> France. Mm. Yeah, um, mm. I yeah. I don't know if uh, I might mention it, but just so you know where mm. I'm at um, artistically and quality-wise, I lived in France. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm. um, so. Mm. So I'm kind of. So that why, it explains why you like bread so much. Pastry, hundred percent. Pa- pastry, French bread. Yeah, I can't say the word in French because I don't know French, but um, I def- I was there for a portion it, is of time. It not pastry. Palace as it is. Good. He's been right about like two things right now. Although he's always talking about. <laughs> Thank God we have him. He's always talking about rooting vegetables. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> that's fine. Keep coming back. <laughs> oh. Um. Yeah, you yes. went. You went over and you uh, studied at clown school. Yes, I went to clown school in France mm-hmm. um, because all the best people that I look to, like Zoe Coombsmar and Zach and Vigo, the Traveling Sisters, all these incredible fringe comics that make this amazing, absurdist, original comedy, went to Goliere. So when I saw that, I was like, "Well, I've got to go to clown school. I've got to train with the master." Mm-hmm. How'd that go? I got the dates wrong. You got the dates and wrong. And I didn't do clown. You did not do clown. What mm. did you do? Greek tragedy. And neutral mask. What is neutral mask? Neutral mask is where you... Is that how Darren Lockyer looks so young? Fuck, not Darren Lockyer. <laughs> Jonathan <laughs> Thurston. <laughs> we almost had a callback. We almost had a callback. God damn it. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. I don't know if we will now. <laughs> I think it's like it'll be. This yeah. is the kind of play that they take men off the field for. <laughs> uh, well, essentially, neutral mask is where you put on a mask that is neutral, meaning it has nothing on it, mm-hmm. and you legitimately, really, truly try and be the color purple. <laughs> You know, it's it's that it's when people like talk about drama school and theatre school and the everyone wearing black turtlenecks and doing interpretive dance and crying. That's neutral mask. And the thing is, I really got into it. <laughs> and oh, yeah? like when I, I would be the color yellow, and you know, Philippe, he's very um, uh, his critique is very honest and at times can be quite <laughs> brutal. And <coughs> if I would, yeah, I know it's emotional. Um, if I would be the colour yellow and he would say, no, you look like the colour green, I would get so upset. I'd just be like, no, I was the colour yellow. God damn it. And then cry. Yeah, Mm. which is, you know, that's a fair response. Thank you. Because yellow is a part of green. It is. Mm. And I always have seen myself as a yellow and not Mm -hmm. a green. I mean, that's just, I don't want to associate Maybe you needed to separate yourself. That was from, all, well. From, that's why from you go. The irony. That's right, and that's why you go to school. And I really enjoyed it. But yes, I did get the dates wrong. My bad. Um, I didn't do clown, but I did really enjoy my time there. It was really tough. Um, and you know, after school, um, there was one time I I went for a jog uh, because school was in this village in the in southern France, and we were surrounded. We were in a village, and it was surrounded by a forest. And after school every day I would go for a walk in the forest or go for a jog. And on the good days I would go for a jog. And I'd be like running through the forest. I'd be like, oh, I'm so free. Anyway, one of those days that I was feeling great, I uh, ran and I climbed a tree and I fell out and cracked a rib. Wow. (laughs) 
And the next day I had to do neutral mask and I had to pretend to be glue and I just couldn't do it. Because you weren't together. I was not together. You were not. I was cracked. You needed glue. <laughs> exactly. But you can't get glue in France. Or well, you probably can, but I don't know how to say it. So I was fucked. Is it, is it not just le glue? God damn. <laughs> See, this is why I need people <laughs> to help me. <laughs> Look, it's fine. It's fine. I think you should uh, get a personal assistant. I think you're right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Oh God, there's no, there's no follow-up. It's just... <laughs> there's no follow-up. I do. Um, we did as well. I was lucky enough to do the foundation um, because I was there for the first semester and the first lesson we do learn is um kind of the foundation for philippe's teachings which is play which is i was really glad to be there for because um it's about tapping into your i think a part of the brain that adults kind of lose track of which is play and imagination and that's what Mm. kids do so naturally and that's what philippe's teachings are all based in they're all based in play and based based in pleasure and having genuine fun when you're on stage. Um, however, the way he teaches that is the first exercise we did at clown school or Philippe school, uh, Philippe school, uh, <coughs> was he said, okay, so you go on the stage and you have a suitcase and in the suitcase is a fish. And you walk around and you walk around and then all of a sudden you're like, bah, I am in Vietnam. Go. (laughs) That's the first exercise. That's the exercise. But you have no idea what to do. You have no idea what to do. But But you go up and people would walk around and pretend to have a suitcase. And he would be like, he would, because he has a little drum, he would smash his drum. Be like, no, 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 you do not get my exercise. Get off my stage. And then another group would go and they wouldn't get it. He'd be like, oh, you are such piles of shit. I want to kill you. We all want to kill you. And then four or five uh, rounds in, it's actually apparently about having fun. (laughs) So the whole kind of first half of school was just learning what Philippe is talking about because (laughs) you cannot take what he says literally. Mm. Everything has a different meaning to what he's actually saying. And once you understand that and embrace that, that's the game, that's the play, that's the fun. And once I realised that, I had a really, really good time. So when he says, uh, you have a suitcase Mm. and there's a fish in Vietnam, Mm. what he means is... You're in an absurd situation that has a lot of discovery in it and have fun with those feelings? Or did you still have to get up and enact those things but do it in a fun way? Um, I think the thing about uh, any teaching, I suppose, is that you interpret it in your own way. Especially, I think, for Philippe, he was his, the interpretation of his teachings. And you see from past students, everyone's kind of taken something that he's given them. My interpretation was the first thing you said, that it's about walk, being present on stage, but not only present, having fun. And that little sparkle you see in an actor's mm. eyes when they're on the stage and they're truly there. And, they're, and whether they're crying or screaming, laughing, that you can see that joy in play. 
because and again you see it in kids when kids play you know cops and robbers and they're shooting each other and they die and they're like they're having the best time even though in reality it's something quite violent (laughs) and I really like that I think for me over the years because I've also worked in um, a hospital so something that's quite traumatic Mm -hmm. and I have traveled to some places that are quite traumatic so I feel like my sense of comedy perhaps is a bit warped in that I find things hilarious that some might think are a bit weird but it's about so it's about it's about the framing of a situation and a feeling and the more context. so than the thing itself I think so it's a it's every everything is context you know you can be in a situation but how you play that situation can is there's such a spectrum there and and you can there's so much to play with and for me what interests me is playing with things that are typically seen as darker but playing them very light and that contrast and that tension between tragedy and comedy really interests me and and I have a lot of fun playing with tragedy but in a comedic way which leads pretty nicely into don't give me those eyebrows like you're the host and this is all your construction I did it it was a twitch it was a really good it was good all right um (laughs) can I get another man can uh, I get an o- o- award-winning show? Stop it. Um, award-winning show by a award-winning uh, one-woman, <laughs> award-winning one-woman comedy show. Award-winning. Um, uh, award-winning. Stop winning. it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, award-winning. Award-winning. <laughs> but still, um, people don't know what it is. Oh, no idea. And neither do I. Which and is so great. Let's talk about that because yeah, you know, I think. Uh, maybe this is like hyperbolic, but I feel like what you said and what my understanding of the show was, I mean, like I've I'm, I'm known you prior to the residency, but like in your application, the way the show was presented is maybe different to the way you're perceiving and talking about it now. Mm. And so maybe if you could talk about sort of how uh, and what it was in its sort of short and sweet run mm-hmm. and then what it's become now and why it's become that, you know, take, take us on a, on a journey. Oh, oh wow. Um, thank you. Uh, I guess it's definitely, like you said, it's definitely evolved over time and it's, I already know that it's going to continue to evolve. The show, and, and there's also a difference between what the show is based on and also when it actually started because... Years ago, when I was living overseas and going through quite a tough time, um, I kept a journal and it, and I'll come back to that later. But essentially, when I came back to Australia, I was so, after being away for so long and going through some rough stuff, I was so happy to be home and something that really clicked in my brain was just how great it was to be home in Australia Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm so grateful for the quality of life we have here and that kind of fueled and informed a time of really good fucking times, you know. I was really lucky to be surrounded by some really cool mates and just enjoy, yeah, the, the beach and the simple things and it was from that time of simplicity and just chilling the fuck out that 
I started to make rumours up about myself. Okay. (laughs) Uh, In that um, I started to do stand-up, which was a Band-Aid for a while. And then when I did stand-up for the first time, um, I did it at a place that's famous as the worst place on earth to do comedy. Which is? A place where you can sometimes have glass thrown at you. Yeah, no, no. Name and shame. Oh, it no longer exists, but it's on the okay. north side. But we all know that the north side's a hole, so it's fine. Look. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I can't endorse that. Are you a north sider? No, I'm just trying to be nice. <laughs> oh, cool. All right, no worries. Look, it's, it's a, it, it struggles. Yeah, that's right. It struggles. It struggles. I would rather be downtown. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I started doing stand-up and then I always wanted and dreamed of doing the fringe. I, I worked the fringe overseas and I did Edinburgh a few years ago and it was always my goal to end up there. You did uh, Edinburgh a few years ago as in when is a punter? No, I did a show. Oh, okay. I played an Australian dinosaur. I was a puppeteer. Can you True give story. us an impression of an Australian <laughs> the, dinosaur? No, they were these. Um, the the plate the company's called Earth, and okay. they had this incredible show called Dinosaur Zoo. You know, and I was lucky enough to go on the West End in London with it, and then we did a UK tour, and then we did the Edinburgh Fringe for the whole month, and we were in um, like the stadium. So that was a family show, mm. um, but I was in doing so, I was able to. Get a gl- get that fringe life, which is the mecca of for theatre and everything in between. Comedy, cabaret, everything is there. The buzz is intoxicating and incredible. And I remember from that month being the best month of my life. Going, I'm going to come back here and I'm going to do my own show one day. And it went on the bucket list. So when I started doing stand up, I I started looking at who who's really awesome. Who do I really love? And I went to Adelaide and that's when I started a rumour about myself because at that point I had the title, which was Can I Get an Amen? And so I just kind of uh, water-cooled myself. I would just stand near water coolers and just be like, oh, I hear that Caitlin Rogers has a really funny show called Can I Get an Amen? (laughs) And just said that I had a show when I didn't. Um, And then kept saying that I had a show. So it kind of came to a point where I was like, oh, I better do something about that. Whoopsie-daisy. And then that's when Short and Sweet came into the, mm-hmm. into the pie. And because I saw it as an amazing opportunity because it was only 10 minutes, so I could just put something out there and if it fell on its face, then I could move on. Um, but I just as an opportunity to put something out there that I really wanted to enjoy doing. And it was at the Powerhouse, which was such a good, fantastic venue. And the team behind Short and Sweet are so supportive yeah. of artists. They are... So you can just concentrate on creating work. You don't have to worry about the producing, which is another thing in itself, which is so demanding and it's just a completely different full-time job. Yeah. So to be able to be given the chance to solely focus on the creative side um, was really fantastic. And that's when I kind of went into a process because I'd never really created anything myself before. Um, I I just locked myself in a room by myself and just tried to make myself laugh <laughs> for about six months. Um, and because I've always wanted to make something, because, you know, I want to be able to enjoy what I'm doing. And so I kind of put together this collection of things that I think are funny. And it started. It always started from a physical place mm-hmm. because I love moving and grooving. So I would kind of dance around to gospel music. And then 
just do weird things with my body and then improv off that and then the text would come last. So you said you already had the title. Mm. Where'd it come from? Well, that's interestingly, you asked that. I don't really know, but again, how the show is kind of where it's gone and where it's, where it's come from, it, it, it's kind of rooted in this hard time that I went through that I was able to get out because I got out of there. And I was looking through that journal from when I was in that time and I'd written in my journal, um, I was sit and it says, I'm on the plane, I'm about to go back to Australia, I can't believe I got to this place, I'm so thankful. And I've written in big letters, can I get an amen? Hmm. It's like a prophecy. Yeah, and I can't believe that because I had no plans of doing stand-up, I had no plans of making this show at that point, so... It's a bit weird that it's all kind of come full circle in a way. Um, I also am obsessed with RuPaul's Drag Race and there's an amazing episode where they make an, uh, an anthem um, mm-hmm. for the world called Can I Get an Amen? And RuPaul's whole philosophy is if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love someone else? Can I get an amen? Which is also a main theme of the show. Mm-hmm. So it's like all these things have kind of all fed into one another and have resulted in this show. Um, so, sort of, I want, I want you to keep telling the story. I just have one more question. Um, when you lock yourself in a room mm. and sort of pivot from here to then telling the story of going short and sweet, yada, yada, yada. Mm. Um, when you lock yourself in a room, you, you laugh you laugh pretty easily in real life. Like, Thank you're, you. you're a chuckly, you're mm. a chuckly, uh, good presence. When you're on your own, um, does the laughter come easily? Is there a lot of frustration, a lot of tiredness? Like, how, how, how is it? What's that like? It definitely is, it comes in waves, I'll be completely honest. Sometimes you get on a roll and, you know, and you're, you're really in it and things just are happening and that momentum and those rehearsals are great because I get to the end and I feel like I could go for hours and hours and hours. And there are others that <laughs> it's like pulling teeth because I'm in there by myself I have, and I'm in it. I'm not sitting back. I have no sense of whether it's funny or not I have no idea so the before I did the show the first time I was terrified I was terrified because I had no idea if this stuff would land you know I only had this like there was bits here that I thought might work and these other bits that I knew would work once they got on the stage but I didn't know how to tell people about them without them seeing it Mm -hmm. in its full form so it was a real risk (laughs) uh, and I'm just as scared now because the work has changed. It's changed again and it's evolving and it's going to a place where I think it needs to go, but I haven't shown it to people yet. Like the first time an audience is going to see it is next week. And then I go to London and then Edinburgh and there is an Australian sensibility about it because that's who I am Mm. and I love Australia. So there's, that's a motif in the show. I don't know if the Scottish people are going to understand emus or appreciate them like I do. (laughs) I mean, there is sort of... I mean, I think there's an international respect for Australians in terms of how peculiar our land is. I hope so. That's what I'm banking on. (laughs) I consume a lot of podcast media. Um, And whenever people talk about Australians, Mm. they love us because they don't understand us. How do we get it so right? I don't know, hey. But, um, yeah, th- that's kind of... Um, I did another creative develop... Like, so, yeah, I did Short and Sweet and luckily 
people went with it, which was the biggest, mm. greatest uh, um, thing that could have ever happened. I said you were award winning, but what awards did you receive? <laughs> so this is why people still don't know what the show is, because um, at Short and Sweet, it won Best Play and People's Choice. And then I did it at another festival and it won Best Cabaret and Best Concept. So when I say, you know, when you so be, you don't know what it is. What is it? I don't know either. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> it's good because I have some pretty yeah. wacky guesses. Yeah. And now, so, but that's what I think um, this, cre- like being at house residency has been amazing because it's kind of forced me to reflect mm-hmm. and kind of make those decisions and be clear um so i feel like the work is kind of sits between genres it doesn't sit in a specific genre it's you know part sermon it's a bit part stand-up part clown part Whoopi uh, goldberg's memoir part Whoopi, yeah she's the you know she's the core she keeps the train moving obviously um but that is actually something that really excites me about it is that it does use multiple forms to tell this story. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I mean, looking at sort of the, the cards that you have up in the space as to like what you're doing, um, which will be on display at the, the showcase tomorrow. Uh, it's pretty eclectic. Like you've got rants, you've got songs, you've got, um, you've got tangents. You really are. You've got movement. You've got a lot of movement-based jokes. I saw you doing a bit of a, a walk in the backyard. <laughs> yep, I need to. That's I need to be fit for this show. It's gonna. I've I've kind of almost put myself in a dug a hole that I can't get out of. Well, except if you dug the hole, you'd be fit already. That's true. Do you have a shovel? <laughs> we do, but only one, and it's small. Uh, yeah. So uh, I am excited. Like. Like I said, I think the work is going to continue to evolve. But what's also been good is that, you know, this time has kind of forced me to really think about, okay, what do I want to achieve as well with this work? What does this Mm -hmm. work want to say? Um, And where are you landing? I think that I... At face value, it's a character piece... Um, about a, it's a it's a sermon. It's about sass, and sass is about loving yourself, self love, self care, and the importance of self confidence. Um, however, as that kind of narrative takes place, there's also this other thing that's bubbling underneath the surface. The audience is greeted by this character that appears quite sassy and appears quite confident, but there's definitely a sense that something else is going on that perhaps she's, she doesn't even believe what she's saying. Mm-hmm. So it's like a false prophet, false preacher sort of. Potentially. Yeah. Um, and there, so therefore the audience then watches, will this character achieve their goal? And in order to achieve their goal, they'd need to believe what they're saying, which is, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love someone else? So it forces the character to confront some things and deal with some things. Um, but ultimately, I've always been interested in this whole notion of reality versus expectation. Mm. 
mm-hmm. and where those expectations come from. I think expectations come from society and the, and the expectations society places on us. And I don't think... And this idea of being perfect, which people put on social media, even though those personas aren't real, mm-hmm. and, and how that creates anxiety and creates all these things. And I don't think perfect is, uh, is real. I don't, people aren't the person they are on social media. I think, personally, the imperfections are more beautiful. You know, a flawed human being is much, I think, more genuine, authentic, and therefore beautiful than some fake thing. Yeah. I, I don't... Oh, keep bringing up politics. No, but I go think, for gold. I think that's literally the core well, of why Donald Trump got elected. And that's why I think this work is relevant <clears throat> right now because mm. the world is in this, especially the Western world and Western culture, we're in this place of absolute mayhem. And that's why I'm really excited about this work and I see... The Edinburgh and the future and of Can I Get an Amen as an opportunity to start discussion about these things and question those things. And then on top of that, to be a woman in comedy doing mm-hmm. them. And which being is a, hard. Which is hard. And I speak about that in the show and I'm really proud to be a female in comedy. However, we face discrimination that needs to be discussed. And I also talk about that in the show and I'm really passionate about that. And so... Yeah, I'm, and I think that all feeds into this idea of what sass is and that's what the show is about, you know, teaching people what is sassy and investigating those different ideas. Yeah, teaching people. Yeah, yeah I mean, spreading Whoopi's message. Spreading Whoopi's message. <laughs> is that is that Whoopi's message? Like, Yeah, I think... Um, I don't know anything about Whoopi Goldberg. Well, that's what's really interesting, right? Is that I've been doing research because I read her memoir and that's where the show came from. Mm-hmm. I read her memoir and that's what inspired the work. However, I've been looking into what she's done. We don't know. She's done all these amazing films that got nothing at the box office, got nothing but critique. She did a film in the mid-90s called The Associate that mm-hmm. Donald Trump is in. What? Yeah. Right. Where she is a successful, smart businesswoman but can't get a job. I wonder why. Anyway, so huh. she then makes this fake character who's a white man and all of a sudden she's very successful. Like she starts sending resumes under yeah. her false. Yeah. Yep. Well, so, and there's now research that backs this up. And so the whole movie is about how the white man is already winning and, and it's and nobody knows about this film. And Donald Trump is in it and she's saying... Does he play a baddie? Or? He kind of does a cameo like he does in Home Alone 2. Yep. I think he just like walks past the screen for like two seconds mm-hmm. and goes, hello, my name's Donald, and then keeps walking. Um, so, again, why don't we know about this film? You know, and those, and those issues are still present. Why can't Whoopi Goldberg get a job but a, a white man that nobody knows does? Mm. It's still relevant. Yeah. Yeah, look, we need we need to all sit and watch The Associate and think on our lives. If there's anything I want people to take away from this podcast, from this work, is that they go home and watch The Associate with Whoopi Goldberg. Have you watched it? No, but it is, <laughs> but it is on YouTube. <laughs> hey, I have a, I have a, I have a, like a nice uh, controversial question that I would like to ask you, please. I think I know what it is, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, hey. Uh, do, do people accuse you of not having the right to use Whoopi Goldberg's work? Like, do, do people go, you're white, you can't, and what's your response to that? 
I haven't come across that yet. Mm. However, it is something I do think about and I am conscious of and I am aware of. I think because the show... I don't know. The show is very new, so maybe mm. it just hasn't... Not enough people have seen it yet. It has been received quite well. As well, you know, my intention from the get-go is always coming from a place of love and positivity. It's not a poke at Whoopi at all. No. She's inspired it for a reason because she's an incredible artist, advocator. I have nothing but good things to say about her. So I don't under- so if people did have an issue, that would be my response. Yeah, and I think because I, I've, I've, I heard this from someone who I don't trust. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they, they said this and they obviously haven't seen this show. And the, way I in, the way I interpret your show is that there's literally nothing wrong with it because you're engaging with Whoopi as a woman, mm. right? And it's like, that's what you have in common. And mm. I, I, feel like, I, f- I feel like this, like any discussion of that is just like, a pinpoint of why these sort of discussions divide us more than they connect us. Totally. And I would hope that people would look at the show, look at what the show's about before and then reevaluate their opinion because, like I said, it's coming from a place of love for Whoopi. I loved mm. her message and that's what I want to share with people. Yeah, I think she's a goodie. I think you're a goodie. Thank you. I think, I think you're, you're a goodie. I think your show's a goodie. Oh, thanks, man. Well, was that the question you thought I was going to ask or was there another question? No. I What's thought, the other question? Well, I thought you were going to genuinely ask, was Shannon robbed? Shannon Knoll. Did you, did you really think that was the question I was going to ask? Yes. It's not a controversial question. Of course he was fucking robbed. <laughs> Caitlin Rogers, uh, where can people find you online? They can find me on Facebook under Can I Get an Amen? You can also find me on Instagram, which is my name, Caitlin Rogers, or most importantly, please visit my website, which was which is nolsywasrobbed.com. N-O-L-S-Y was robbed.com. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad we reached consensus and I'm glad we ended on a positive series of notes. Thank you. Uh, That was Baker Street, uh, performed by Caitlin Rogers. You're welcome, Australia. You're welcome. The House Conspiracy Podcast is produced at House Conspiracy by me, Jonathan O'Brien, and Tyler William Morrison. Mixing and editing by Tyler William Morrison. And music by the Reverend Isha Ramdas. If you'd like to support House Conspiracy, you can do so at houseconspiracy.org slash donate, and you can learn more about what we offer here at houseconspiracy.org. Thanks for listening.